Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And today we're here with Dr. Jonathan Vaughn, who is CEO and founder of Front Range Biosciences. Jonathan, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So why don't we start with just uh, a little bit about your background, um, sort of professional and how you got into cannabis. And then we can talk a little bit about biosciences and what you're doing in terms of the science behind a lot of this stuff so that we can better understand you know, how do we best use cannabis from a business and a kind of a industry point of view. Yeah, certainly. So my background, and I'll try to, to keep this um, <laughs> as brief as I can, but, but I, I do have uh, an interesting path as to how I yeah, got here. Yeah. But, so my background is I have a, a BS in chemistry from North Carolina State University. I have a PhD in organic chemistry from the University of Colorado at Boulder. And spent most of my career in the molecular diagnostics world. I started out while I was in graduate school and got the opportunity to work on a technology platform development for a startup company in the human diagnostic space here in Colorado, a company called Somalogic. Okay. And I actually was able to uh, put together a lot of the, the core pieces of the, of the technology uh, as a graduate student and uh, got uh, some of the, one of the first papers and patent. And uh, then I went to work for them as a full-time scientist. And the company was focused on human diagnostics. And so we were looking at the human proteome, which are proteins that make up the human body, basically, okay. and how we can use those to predict disease outcomes, improve personalized medicine, targeted treatments, Spent a lot of time working directly with uh, pharmaceutical companies, and a lot of it was to develop assay technologies that would support FDA submissions for clinical trial work, 
and, and support, you know, improved treatment outcomes uh, with data that, that backed up, you know, how certain medicines work. So I spent about six years there, helped them grow that company from 20 people to, to over 120. We got to tens of million in revenue mm-hmm. and really great, great way to launch my career. And uh, then I got recruited into another molecular diagnostic startup company, but in a very different world, the food safety space. And uh, they brought me on to help develop technology for detection of pathogens like salmonella, listeria, and E. coli in uh, in large-scale food processing. So I spent a couple of years, uh, this company was called Beacon Biotechnology. I spent a couple of years there and uh, I was building basically a new device that would sit on the factory floor of, of large food processing facilities and allow the, the factory floor workers and personnel to run these fairly sophisticated tests that traditionally had been run in a laboratory, but be able to run these on site there. And so it was a big, big effort in technology development and then manufacturing and, and how to make this new instrument and get it out into the market. Interesting. Went yeah. To, yeah, it was it was a great experience. My first exposure to big agriculture, for sure, and, uh, and a great learning experience uh, and a great stepping stone in, in, in my career. And then I went to help start another company called Velocity Sciences with my former PhD advisor that was back on the human side. And we were doing more intellectual property development, very similar to the type of work we did or I did at Somalogic, working with pharmaceutical companies. Know, working on things just like we did at Somalogic, like cancer diagnostics, heart disease diagnostics, trying to improve, you know, uh, just the industry's ability to improve treatment outcomes and predict disease outcomes and, and things of that nature. I spent a couple of years there, and while I was there, I started watching the cannabis industry flourish here in uh, in Colorado, and. I had always been interested in, in agriculture and, you know, certainly medicinal plants are kind of the foundation for most pharmaceuticals, actually. Yeah. So that's where most, most of the compounds come from. A lot of people don't realize that, that a lot of, a lot of pharmaceuticals actually come from plants yeah. or at least natural products from plants. But, but anyway, so I saw cannabis as an interesting business opportunity. I evaluated our ability to work in that space uh, at that company, but given the regulatory hurdles and the legality status at that point here in Colorado and federally, it just wasn't a clear path for us to do that, to do any work in that space. And so I decided to go out and start Front Range Biosciences. And uh, that was about three and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And as a little side note on my background, during this time, I was actually at, at Beacon, actually at a couple of other companies. I, I had started a nonprofit in Boulder called Mountain Flower Dairy. It's a 501c3 goat farm that did a small micro dairy and they did a raw milk share for the community summer camps and workshops really to help educate people on where their food came from and you know this was partly my response to you know just learning about more about the the agriculture the big agriculture and food production world you know in terms of (laughs) exactly i'm sure those are seeing seeing that process being made yeah yeah, yeah, being in it firsthand. And so, you know, really wanting to give people a chance to just to learn what it really takes. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that milk doesn't come out of a bottle, for example. And so it, it was uh, it was a, a lot of fun, but I also kind of fell in love with farming. So I spent nights and weekends doing this as kind of a side project and, and you know, doing everything from building fences and building barns to wrangling goats and, and nursing or dealing with you know, nursing goats and, yeah. and babies. And uh, so anyways, so all of that really that kind of combined with my professional career and, you know, in molecular diagnostics and, and working with drug companies and even 
food companies, it really catalyzed the motivation for starting Front Range. And so to finish it up, we started, I started Front Range. I met my co-founder, Nick Hoffmeister. He's actually an MBA out of MIT, and he has a similar startup background experience to me in the biotech world, algae biofuels, nutraceuticals, and but very much from the business side with his background in, in business and finance. And so we made a great team and uh, we started uh, putting together business models, evaluating the regulatory and corporate structure that would allow us to, to build a company in this industry. And then we went live, we incorporated at the end of 2015. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, we started raising money in 2016 and started operations in August of 2016. So we just celebrated our two year anniversary and we basically set up Front Range Biosciences to translate existing agricultural technologies into the cannabis space, but then also more broadly, we saw the opportunity to innovate and, and use the type of technology that we'll talk about here in a minute and other other crops as well. And uh, and so it, it's turned into uh, much broader than, than just cannabis. So we work and we currently have three crops. We work with cannabis, which we include two crops, industrial hemp and then marijuana or high THC cannabis. And then we also work in coffee currently. And we might take on additional crops, but but those are the three right now that we work in. We have facilities in Colorado and in California, and our business is really focused on two areas, our clean stock nursery program, and then our varietal development or breeding program, which is really about understanding the cannabis genome and the plant genome and uh, using it to improve our ability to breed. And so that's really uh, us in a nutshell. And and a lot of it is driven by a fundamental technology called tissue culture, which is how we actually propagate our plants in a clean room type environment and are able to certify them as part of our clean stock program. So I'll stop there and uh, I'm sure you've got some questions. Yeah, no, lots of questions. And I like the whole kind of your background of looking at sort of agricultural and human science and sort of application of effectiveness in medicine and effectiveness in agricultural production. Because I think that's as we're looking forward in this cannabis industry to more kind of larger scale production, the whole question of how, how do we really grow, you know, at scale, a reliable, consistent, dependable product is is actually, you know, it's problematic. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people have struggled Absolutely. with this, you know, go, going to scale. You know, we can grow a lot and we can grow well, but growing a lot well is, is a tough one to get right. So just so I understand. So it sounds like so you are, are you. Ultimately, your customers are growers who are looking for different varietals and looking for different science and approaches to the actual growing process. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a, a pretty good summary. I mean, I think our, our we're a B two B business, and mm-hmm. our our customers are certainly growers, farmers of these different crops. And you know, our main way we interact with customers is through our nursery, and so we use our nursery to supply them large quantities of plants. So, you know, for hemp, for let's take hemp, for example, you know, we work with a lot of hemp growers here in Colorado and we'll deliver during the spring, you know, large volumes of plugs or plant starts or clones of a specific variety. Then they go transplant into the ground. And these could be large acreage, hundreds, you know, up to some folks are now doing thousands of acres in in industrial hemp. And, And so we supply them the plant starts so that they can really stay focused on production. And, you know, our goal is to provide the highest quality at scale. So the ability to actually produce hundreds of thousands, even millions of plants and deliver those in a format that gives them what they want in terms of, of crop production. And we also are working on seed too. We, we will okay. eventually be doing some seed, especially in hemp, but seed takes a lot longer. You really have to do a lot of 
validation work and, and, and testing and, and breeding to actually get what you would consider stable seed that could be certified. Got it. So your facilities basically look like very high tech growing facilities where you're doing the starts and then packaging them up in various ways to then deliver them on site to growers, to farmers who then actually plant and do the, the actual growing and harvesting then. Yeah, exactly. Our, and and to, to, to get a little more specific, yeah. there's two parts to our facilities. The first is the tissue culture lab, and this is a, uh, a laboratory environment. It's You, know, you can think like a, a clean room type environment for manufacturing, mm-hmm. actually not so different than what you might have for certain types of manufacturing environments. And that's where we, we work on producing the plants and tissue culture. And then the other part of our operation is the greenhouse. So we move plants from the laboratory to the greenhouse through a process called acclimatization. And then once we get the plants into the greenhouse, then we get them ready for production so that we can deliver large volumes of plants to growers. So that's really the core of our of our operations. We have that set up for, for hemp in Colorado. We also have a, a small-scale TC lab that we work with a partner here in Colorado on the marijuana side. And then in California, we have a tissue culture and a laboratory tissue culture lab in a greenhouse in Gilroy, California, where we do our coffee propagation and our coffee work. And then we also are in construction of a tissue culture lab and greenhouse set up in Salinas, California, that will be operational later this year that serves marijuana growers and farmers. Got it. And and that's, you know, obviously the, with the, the various sort of legality of, you know, of THC-based products, cannabis products in different areas and interstate transportation, all that, you've got to set up these different facilities in these different states to be actually serve these local these local farmers it sounds like oh yeah certainly i mean we uh you know re- regulatory is a whole yeah. <laughs> a whole separate discussion but yeah we you know our goal one of the things that i think i i bring to the industry is you know given my experience working in regulated environments so everything that i did in human diagnostics you know i mean i've been through audits with pharmaceutical companies yeah. because all of their data gets put to the fda which means it has to be uh there's a process of uh, uh, quality control or quality assurance system called uh, GMP or good manufacturing practice. That's something that you hear a lot of, uh, especially in, in uh, pharmaceuticals and molecular diagnostics. And so, you know, I'm used to working in regulated environments, used to working closely with regulatory to make sure that you are compliant. And it's not only about, you know, serving the regulatory body and, you know, it's really about consumer safety and yeah. really making sure that, you know, what you're putting out in the marketplace is safe for consumers. Because at the end of the day, as a company, you're liable for what you put out in the marketplace. And yeah. even if even if something goes wrong and it's not your fault, you can still be found liable. And, you know, you can see that, you know, there's certainly lots of cases over the last 20 years, you know, things like food safety outbreaks, yeah. right? And, you know, some producer of a vegetable or crop ends up getting you know sued because they made, you know, 100 people sick and, you know, they didn't realize that. I mean, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stories like that. And then, you know, certainly when you go into things like nutraceuticals and pharmaceuticals, you know, where you've got potentially, you know, drug-like compounds that have strong effects, right? You know, yeah. at the end of the day, you're responsible for what you put out into the world. So, so we, we take it really seriously and it's, uh, you know, and we have a, a very transparent policy of transparency with both regulators and with our, with customers. Yeah. I think that whole, I mean, everyone seems to be struggling with this whole kind of effectiveness question, both in terms of the products are, that are produced and the consistency of the production. And I think that, you know, a lot of what's happening, you know, kind of grow chain side is, 
you know, how, how do we start with the right material, produce it in a consistent way, process it in the same way, put it into a consumable form and know that it's going to have the effects, you know, the ultimate you know, medicinal effects that we're looking for, you know, depending on the patients and, and the uh, people taking it. So, you know, I think this is the start of all that, <laughs> making sure we're starting with the right, you know, with the right uh, fundamentals before we go into the growing process. I mean, just to contrast this a little bit right now, if we're traditionally, you know, how, how does a grower actually go about this process and how do you change that? For folks, like if I, you know, someone starting to grow, they're go out and finding they're finding seeds and they're they're starting with seeds and, and starting the process that way. Is that is that what it is right now, or that's how most people do it? Yeah, so it really depends on what you know on on kind of what market and what you know industry you're you're you know, you're looking at. So hemp and marijuana are you know a little bit different, but in general, from a high level, they're they're both very similar in a lot of ways. And so generally, people either start with seeds or a lot of people will start with clones. So people have maintained a clone line, which would be a parental plant, like a mother is typically mm-hmm. what they would call them. Sometimes those have been maintained for years, even decades. Yeah. And they'll simply take cuttings and uh, and provide those to a new grower or a new farmer. And the advantage of that is typically, you know, when you clone from something, you already know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Whereas with a seed, you have to grow it up and evaluate it because right now there is no certified seed. Well, there's a few examples of certified seed now in hemp, but that's it. And even then, you know, the availability of the different varieties that you might want to grow is, is not, there's not a lot of variety of certified seeds. So you're kind of limited in what you've got there. So seed really has a lot of challenges currently. And I expect it'll take another three to five years before that really gets solved because that's really how long it can take of of specific breeding practices to actually generate stable seed product and other things. And that's that's compared, this is a short cycle crop, so you can get several cycles a year. But, you know, when you compare it to to some other crops, I mean, you know, and you look historically, Mm -hmm. it's taken a decade or more to get stable seed of of a new crop. And and sometimes people are still working on it. And so, you know, it's really a a longer term process. And in in the interim, and that's why we really focused on tissue culture cloning and the ability to produce high quality, large quantity of, you know, the exact same plant. Mm-hmm. That's why we went down that path, because I think it really serves the needs of, of what growers have right now. And, and we'll, we'll need that for quite some time. And so that's, that's really been, uh, been our focus. So how much of this is technology around uh, and kind of process around how to quickly produce enough, you know, enough product of a particular varietal or of a particular type versus looking at new new types and, and sort of increasing your product line? Where, where are you? Where are you generally focused? Um, that's an interesting question. I, I'd say we, you know, we're. we're the industry is moving so quickly that we're, and there's a lot of existing varieties out there that cover the different types of traits or, you know, products that you'd want out of this plant. Mm-hmm. And so we generally, you know, we have, you know, everything from, we just simply go purchase something on the open market, such mm-hmm. as seeds or clones, and then we get it into the nursery and characterize it and propagate it all the way to licensing deals where we in-license some unique variety that somebody's spent, you know, several years yeah. working to create. You know, all the way to we're working on creating our own varieties through our varietal development program, and we're evaluating you know those new varieties for how they perform as well. So it kind of spans the whole range, but we're constantly trying to evaluate what's out there and then what we can get into production. Because at the end of the day, 
our number one goal is to help improve a farmer's bottom line, right? So they don't have to worry about, you know, characterizing these plants. They don't have to worry about the nursery side. They don't have to worry about clean, healthy clones and producing hundreds of thousands or millions of them. We take that off their plate for them. Mm-hmm. And they focused on what they do best, which is how to produce their product, right? And, and they get the genetics, they grow them, and, and then they can actually stay focused on production. We're certainly evaluating a lot of new things on a regular basis. Yeah. What, um, and what is the, I guess, what's the market like and your competition like in this space? Are there, are there other companies that are you know, filling this need or, or solving this problem for growers or are you, are you unique in this? Yeah, there's, there's two answers to that question. You know, I think from a nursery perspective, you know, there are certainly other nurseries, especially in California, where agriculture has really been the dominant, you know, a dominant industry there for you know a century. And so there, there's certainly other nurseries there, and even in, in Colorado, where agriculture is also a pretty big component of the industry here. You know, there's there's some nurseries in, in Colorado as well. So in that regard, you know, there, there are certainly some nurseries, although not a lot of focus has been on the nursery industry at this point mm-hmm. or the nursery part of the supply chain. It's more been on the growing and production and, yeah. and the product side. And so, you know, so but we're starting to see more folks enter into the space. But then the other side of that is almost none of them have tissue culture. So tissue culture is a pretty challenging process. It requires PhDs and and then not only PhDs, but people experienced in production agriculture, because at the end of the day, a lot of people use tissue culture as a research process. And we certainly do that, too. But mm-hmm. but our main focus is to use it for production. And that's a different uh, it's a different set of challenges. You know, it's one thing to produce a few plants in tissue culture, but to be able to reproducibly make it's hundreds scale. of thousands yeah. or millions at scale is really a very different proposition. And it requires a lot of labor, requires the right facilities, the right technologies from a process perspective. It can it requires quality control system mm-hmm. and all of these different pieces. And so I think that's that's the big differentiator for us is that, that we use that to produce you know higher quality plants that can be certified virus free, that you know we produce pesticide free plants. So we really are focused on what we would consider in quotes, you know, cleanliness of the supply chain, starting at the very beginning, which is the nursery. So and, and at the risk of kind of getting getting into a lot of scientific detail, just give us a sense. So when we talk about tissue cultural propagation, like what, what what is the process, you know, from a kind of production point of view? Like what are what level are you dealing with the plant? How what process are you putting it through? What does it really take to make this work for, for the application that you're looking at it in a scale point of view? Yeah, definitely. I think, and I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about the two different crops because I think it illustrates yeah. how tissue culture is applied to different, uh, you know, d- different plants. You know, in coffee, for example, really quickly, mm-hmm. it's a very different plant. Uh, the way we propagate it is very different. And we actually go through a process where you use what's called callus, which are what a lot of people think of in tissue culture, which are these basically plant stem cells, if you will, mm-hmm. that are grown in petri dishes, and then they can even be put in bioreactors, and eventually you can turn these into plants. In cannabis, we use a process that's uh, called micropropagation, which is where we're actually not using callus material because, and there's a lot of reasons why, but at the end of the day, you're really using very small micro cuts. So, you know, very small subsections of the plant. So nodes, if you will, where you have new growth coming out of the plant. And then that's where we propagate from uh, in the tissue culture lab. So when you think about tissue culture in cannabis, it's really, and whether it's hemp or marijuana, it's really, you know, for production, it's micropropagation. And micropropagation is really very, very similar 
to cloning or cutting or vegetative propagation in the greenhouse, yeah. only it's done in this clean room environment. And it's, you know, it's, there's some differences for sure, but yeah. it's from a process perspective, it's very, very similar. And then one last piece to add to this is a lot, a lot of people go, well, is this genetic engineering? And it's like, <laughs> absolutely not. You yeah. know, this is really just a, a very highly controlled clean process for doing propagation in a laboratory environment so that your plants come out of the lab, you know, completely clean. And so it doesn't involve any type of genetic manipulation or anything else. It certainly does allow you to make sure that your plants are uniform, right? Mm -hmm. So that, you know, we have a quality control and that's all part of our clean stock program, which is what we call true to type testing. So we make sure that every batch that comes out, we test some of those plants to make sure they perform as specified and they haven't undergone some type of, you know, change or, or, you know, they don't have some problem. Yeah. Because yeah. mutations happen in tissue culture. They happen in, in the greenhouse. Yeah. They happen in vegetative propagation. That's just part of biology yeah, exactly. is, is that plants, plants evolve and mutate. Yeah. Interesting. Where do you see this industry going? So if we, you know, we're kind of, uh, I guess we're always kind of at a, at a breaking point or at a tipping point in the cannabis industry, but, you know, we're, we're certainly seeing, you know, a lot more states, a lot more countries start to go um, both legally and recreationally or medically and recreationally legal. You know, demand seems to be a bit of an upsurge. I mean, where, where do you think the industry is going to go in the next couple of years? Where do you think the challenges are going to be? I mean, you're, you're certainly at an interesting one, which is the whole, how do we get enough product into the market? How do you think that's going to play out or where do you think the challenges are going to be in the coming years? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, it's always impossible to predict the future, but, you know, I think the way we view the world, we see cannabis as, you know, one of the world's next commodity crops. I mean, yeah. it has got applications in everything from industrial use and fibers and even potentially plastics, you know, on, on one end of the spectrum yeah. all the way to, you know, pharmaceuticals. You know, the first really side note, the first CBD plant-based CBD drug was yeah. just approved by the FDA and it's yeah. going out in the market this year in the United States, Epidolex. And so, you know, that's the other far end of the spectrum. So that's a cannabinoid-based drug that's gone through the full FDA, you know, approval process to get out in the market. And so, you know, we think the industry is really going to begin to segment into these different spaces. And I think about it as pharmaceutical, nutraceutical, then even functional food. So I think mm -hmm. uh, hemp protein, you know, it's got a very the seed produces a very good protein source. It's got a set of balanced amino acids for the most part, yeah. a balanced set of fatty acids. So omega threes to omega sixes, the ratio is actually just about right for uh, for humans. Um, so anyways, it's, it's got a lot of beneficial effects. I think hemp protein we'll see as the supply chain scales and the genetics improve over time. I think we'll see that become a big vegetarian protein source. And then moving down into just all the leftover fiber from the biomass and the plant stalks and and all of that, you know, there's already applications of hemp fiber and everything from, you know, clothing to uh, even in in uh, construction, yeah. and building materials. And so, you know, it's been kind of a sleeper on the industrial and food side, you know, for many, many years because of the federal prohibition mm -hmm. kind of around the world, actually, on cannabis in general. But I think we're going to start to see more and more of that part of the industry evolve as well. So from, my, from our perspective, it's going to touch all of these different spaces, and that's going to require different growing and production methodologies for each one of those segments. It's going to require different technologies. It's going to require different genetics or varieties that serve each of those industries. So when we think about it, 
from a high level, that's that's what we see happening over the next you know five, 10, 15 years. And we see it just scaling incredibly across all of those sectors. But and then you know, actually I should add recreational too. That's the other piece that kind of fits in the nutraceutical realm. Yeah. But you know, just like alcohol and tobacco. This the recreational market is also going to be another huge segment of this, which is kind of separate from the other ones. So anyway, so you add all that up and then you've got it happening around the world. And I think you've got a recipe for a pretty, you know, fast growth yeah. industry for quite some time. I mean, we've seen a, a growth rate of, you know, about 29 percent sustained for you know a few years now. And it sometimes it even seems like it's going to increase some. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the future looks really good from that perspective. And I think the challenges that you're going to see as it goes down these different paths and segments out across these different spaces is really going to be related to supply chain. And, you know, one of the things that, that happened early on because of the regulatory environment in this industry is companies were forced to start out vertically integrated because of the trying to maintain, you know, tight regulatory control of the process. And yeah. so they had to start from they had to get their own seed and clone or the nursery side all the way through. They had to grow everything. Then they had to extract it and then they had to get their products ready. Then they had to get their products out to customers, through dispensaries. And that actually doesn't really exist in other industries. Vertical integration happens at the end of, you know, or later stages of a company life cycle, not at the very beginning, yeah. because, you know, as you're a startup company, it's really hard to do five good, five things that yeah, are exactly. hard and yeah. challenging at once. Right. And so that's one of the reasons that we focus our company really laser sharp onto the nursery part of the industry so that we could really do a great job at that. And yeah, down the road, we might consider other parts of the supply chain, but we really think that staying focused on that. And as, as the regulatory environment evolves, places like Colorado and now California and in all the other states and, and in different countries, it's opening the door for countries to really focus in on their part of the supply chain and then work together contractually, just like you have in food, agriculture, yeah. nutraceuticals, all of these other industries so that, you know, you can actually really do a good job at addressing the supply chain challenges and then scale it up effectively and still maintain quality consumer safety and all the things that really matter in the marketplace. So I think that's really going to be the, the biggest challenge. And then the last one, I think, is just setting expectations because this is yeah. agriculture. Yeah. And, you know, people somehow seem to think that, you know, in six to 12 months, you can start a large agricultural operation and it's going to be successful. The reality is, is that plants take years and, you know, and to get things fine tuned, you know, they're living things. And, you know, and there's just things that go wrong. Right. You have natural disasters, even in a even in a controlled environment, like an indoor or greenhouse. You know, in California, they're seeing wildfires. Right. Nobody can control yeah. that. Yeah. And they're even causing problems for indoor growing spaces because of the air contamination and things like that. And so, you know, and then you go all the way to someplace like Colorado, where we get crazy freak snowstorms sometimes in the middle of, 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 mm -hmm. of the spring. And then we get tornadoes or hailstorms. And, you know, these types of things can just wreak havoc when you're growing plants, even if you do all the things you can to control the risk factors. So I think setting expectations with investors and just across the industry, you know, so that, that everybody's not running so fast that they forget important things, which leads to bigger challenges like consumer safety issues and other things because everybody's trying to go so fast. So I think that's the other challenge is just, just being able to manage expectations and grow as quickly as possible, but also maintain safety, regulatory compliance, and all of the other important issues that consumers care about. Yeah, and I, I certainly see, you know, a, a lot of conversations happening these days around, you know, looking at that issue of growth and, you know, how, how do we maintain the kind of reliability and the predictability of the supply chain as 
as this industry really kind of grows and, and how it's going to be segmented and like which, you know, which products and, and which crops are going to, you know, develop different supply chains and, and why and how, and, you know, obviously legislation and legality of things are, are playing into that as well. So I'm curious to see what happens over the next couple of years in, in terms of all this. Jonathan, this has been great. I've, I've learned a lot <laughs> about, about uh, kind of early, the early part of the whole supply chain. Um, it was really educational and, and interesting for me. I appreciate the time. Thank you for being on the program. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's been a, a pleasure to, to talk with you, and I'd be happy to, to join again sometime if, uh, if you need it. So yeah. thank you. It's, it's been fun. If people want to get a hold of you, um, learn more about Front Range, what's the best way to find out more information? Yeah, certainly. Our website is, uh, is the easiest, www.frontrangebio.com. You can also email us at, uh, you can email me directly if you'd like, jvaught, V-A-U-G-H-T, at uh, frontrangebio.com. And, uh, but yeah, we have uh, website inquiry forms on our website. And so that's, that's certainly the easiest way, you know, to uh, inquire about specific things, you know, like availability of our nursery and, and what we do and things like that. Perfect. I, uh, I'll make sure that those are in the show notes so people can uh, click through and, and get a hold of you and find out more. Um, it was really a pleasure. Thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.